Last week, we started talking about a new you, and if you were not here, I would encourage you or did not get to listen to it to go back and listen, because uh, some of the things in there, I believe, would be so important for people to get in them, because many Christians uh, don't realize how different they are, not because they were baptized, not because they've worked real hard, but because of what God did in them when they, re you know, they received Jesus. There is a radical revolution that took place in their spirit, not in their mind and not in their body, but inwardly a radical change took place. And we discussed that, and we're going to go further today. So if you'll open up your Bible to Acts, the third chapter, and, uh, and it's so important for us to get our thinking down, especially when it comes to, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, religious things. Because there are so many uh, different ideas about what Christianity is, what it's all about, and uh, some of it is not correct, and some of it can be detrimental to us. Because Christians really, when they received Jesus, the Bible said we are complete in Him, and He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And uh, what happens often is this, people think I need to get this and I need to get that and, uh, and they don't think they have things from God and they're trying to approach life and get victory instead of realizing they're approaching life from a standpoint of victory. Now that doesn't always make sense to people. Because they say, no, I'm struggling in this area, or I've got an issue in this area. But really, Christians approach life from a place of victory, a place of supply. Because if you don't approach life like that, you're going to try to get something that God said is already yours. Are you with me? And as long as I'm trying to get what God says is already mine, then my mind really is not renewed. I'm not thinking in line with God. So if God says he loves me and he's for me and I'm trying to get him to love me, uh, you can see my mind is not even in line with it, but God does love me. And if I approach that, you know, life like, oh, I'm trying to get God to do this, then what I'm really doing is saying, I trust experience more than I trust God's word. And that's important because we need to trust God's word more than experience and it will create all kinds of experiences. But a lot of times people live by feelings and experience and God has already said something. Are you with me? Like somebody may pray for healing and uh, then if they don't see an immediate change, they say, well, I don't have it. But God said you do have it. Are you with me? And, and, you know, somebody said, but I've been attacked with this in my life. And God said, you're delivered from the enemy and the enemy will flee from you. And people will say, God, I need this. Give it to me. And he said, it is yours. Are you with me? And what we need to do is start changing the way we think 
and start thinking appropriately in line with the Bible. You know, people say, well, I'm struggling with this area of addiction. What you need to do is realize you technically in Christ have already been delivered from that. That's why you need to go back and listen to uh, last week. Somebody said, if I've been delivered, why am I struggling with it? It's a trust issue, really, what it comes down to. And then how to uh, act on that trust. Because if the Lord said, I have delivered all my children from the power of darkness and moved them into my kingdom, and you're not under the control of the enemy, then that is an absolute statement. But many times people approach it and say, well, I'm trying to get that to happen. See where our thinking can be wrong? And then we say, well, I know God said this, but I look at my experience. But in all reality, uh, it is a fact. God is not going to tell you something else. And we need to recognize we come from a place of victory. And a lot of times, and people don't always think this because, you know, we talk about it in the church world, you know, we say, renew your mind. And I think sometimes people think that means what you do is you uh, memorize a few scriptures because you're probably going to get in an argument with somebody about your faith and you're going to need to argue back. You know, and tell them, and they're like, see, I won. That's not renewing your mind. That's arguing. And... Um, and maybe you won, maybe you didn't, and maybe you didn't, you know, whatever. But it's not just memorizing scriptures. Are you with me? What it is, is learning to totally think different apart from how you feel, how you're experiencing. So I could feel like dry. You know what I mean by that? Just no life of God, but God said his life is in me. So I can either think about how I feel or I can start training myself to go the life of God is in me spiritually and I can start thinking that way and it doesn't matter how I feel. I can start acting. I can start expressing. That life will start having its way. But how often people don't think like they have something. See what I mean by approaching life from a standpoint of victory? Because really, Christ in his work was so phenomenal, it gave you victory in every area. Whether we're living in it or not, he's given it to you. Period. Period. Uh, it doesn't change the fact that tests will come and things will happen, but you're already there. It would be good for you to start seeing yourself is already there. Even if you're not experiencing it yet. Because we do know that the Bible said that transformation from the Christian standpoint, not the world, but from the Christian, the person who believes, comes when we renew our mind. In other words, we train ourselves to think different. Let me say it like this. Learn how to worry about what God says instead of your problem. Because really, worry is negative meditation. And people do it all day long in the world. 
And one thing about renewing your mind is learning to do something different and training yourself to do something different. So people in the world do this, you know, a negative thought comes, you know, so-and-so's not home yet, and they just start thinking they got in a car accident. They, something bad happened to them. Anybody know those people? That's called worry. One, oh no, something bad happened. And they just picture it and they picture it and they picture it. And if you snuck up on them, are you with me? If you snuck up on them, you'd hear them going, oh great, oh great. You know, real quiet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody's worried at some point in their life, meaning other than the Lord. And, but we're told not to do that. But really what worry is on the negative is really how you renew your mind for the positive. You start thinking different, deeply pondering it, and just like if you would sneak up on somebody as they're imagining, because, you know, when people worry, they imagine. They see the worst happening, you know, even if it doesn't happen. And after a while, those people learn how to worry like that. I mean, they don't look at the positive, they look at the negative. But in the Lord, He wants us to start changing that. If you start getting those thoughts coming to you, what you need to do is change your thinking. Put it on the answer, not on the problem. Because God's word has power. Here's what's so interesting. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are full of power and they're full of life. Power and life. All of God's presence, all of his ability are on his words. Here's what's interesting. When you start thinking worry thoughts, they don't have the power and the ability of God on them. You ever notice they have the power of yuck and darkness and non-God on them and they seem to affect people as they think on them? Well, we can do the opposite and we can start thinking on the Lord and how big He is. Are you with me? And as we start doing this and meditating, things will change. They will change. And where, you know, and, and one other qualifier is just like worry lets words out of its mouth. You ever run into somebody who is worrying and fearing? It's like this, you know, you show up and they don't go, it's so good to see you. Because you were 10 minutes late. They're like, where were you? I can't believe this. I mean, nobody here has ever been like that. And like, I was worried sick. Yeah, that's what we don't want to do. Worry till we're sick. I was worried sick. I was worried to death. And then they just start saying this stuff and just going, uh, uh. Well, if, why are they acting like that? It's because they have been thinking that way. And it has produced not peace and calm. Like, praise the Lord, I knew you'd make it. The Lord is with us. You weren't thinking the Lord's with us. You're thinking, blah. And I'm not saying anybody here, but you know your relatives. <laughs> right? Or some of your relatives. And maybe, you know, we, maybe we learned some, but we can change that. And the reason why people come out like that is because they're 
starting to think like that. But there is life. There is ability that we have. So if you will, Acts the third chapter. There is ability in every believer. And we talked about this. There's a spiritual part of us. We need to learn to think different. When we hear a message and we see a truth like this, we need to start thinking different. Worry it. I don't like the term worry because it's negative, but the motion of worry, though negative, is really what the Lord wants you to do is to deeply think on and let the words come out of your mouth. Here's something I think often many people don't realize. What ultimately starts coming out of your mouth starts producing things and will bring you into greater freedom or greater bondage. And it can come out of your mouth like this. This ain't going to change. It's getting worse. But only you could hear it. What am I going to do financially? I'm in trouble. It's not, you know, whatever. No. No. The Bible tells us this, that with the heart you believe something, and then with the mouth confession when you make it is unto the reality of that, the experience. And so it's super important for us to realize we need to be changing the whole landscape of the way we think. I mean literally, so you totally think different. I've seen people who have thought, you know, poor, and I don't mean that to accuse somebody, but they thought poor and they thought, you know, I can never get ahead. Some of those people work harder than people who have a lot more money. But they think there's no way I can get ahead. They don't, they haven't changed the way they think and that's just how they process. And they'll even be upset with somebody who makes more money because I work harder. But what needs to happen is people just need to start changing how they think in line with the Word of God till you think totally, totally different. Are you with me? I mean totally different. Where it just starts coming up in you and you get really rooted in it and you start thinking radically different. It can be a process, but the reaping of the results can be phenomenal. Are you with me? And, and I wouldn't doubt this, that there are probably people out here the Lord's been talking to you about renewing your mind. And not just quoting Scripture, not just memorizing Scripture, but literally retraining yourself so you totally look at yourself different. You look at others different all through the eyes of what the Bible says. When you do that, you will start living different. Now, I'll say it like this. You won't be different if you're saved because you are who you are. Meaning with that new life, somebody might go, oh no, I'm in trouble. No, no. If you're saved, you're a phenomenal person in the Lord. You're totally accepted, full of divine life. You have a authority and power beyond measure in him to use. But some people would sit there and right now and go, well, not me. But if you're saved, I would have to argue with you, no, you. No, you. But once you start seeing, yes, it's me, and really allow that to get into you on purpose by pondering it, you're going to start going, that, that's me. That is me. 
Acts, the third chapter. Are we ready? Acts 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 19. Uh, one of the first messages, you know, early in the church, uh, Peter's preaching away. He said, repent therefore and be converted. He's not talking to Christians. He's talking to lost people. He, his faith it was not just in what he could live, it's what he could give. And he was giving a message, and he said, repent, which means to change the way you think. Accept a new way of thinking. At repent, literally, when you change the way you think, your attitude, you will change your actions. They will follow you. He said, repent, therefore, and be converted. We would say it like this. Change and accept the truth and be born again or be made new in the Lord. Be converted. This is the spiritual part. In other words, accept this new way of life with your own will. Repent. Change the way you think, the way you're going, and be converted. In other words, accept the Lord and get saved. Now, we went into great detail how that when anybody does that, not by appearance sake, though I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of us, if we've been around in this at any length of time, we have seen somebody get saved and their countenance changed. Maybe you know it about yourself. You just thought, wow, why do I look like that? Something has changed. And then it's not just on the countenance, but something inside changed. So when he said, be converted here, he's not talking about just a change of mentality. He's talking about what happens in you when you give your life to the Lord. You are converted. You are made new. And then it goes on to say, so that your sins may be blotted out. Our sins are not covered in the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, sins were covered. You know, we, we have some stuff in the lobby that has some tablecloth thingies over them. And those tables could have all kinds of weird stuff written on them or whatever. But they're covered so you wouldn't see it. In the Lord, your sins are not covered like they were in the Old Testament. That's one of the most fascinating things. Your sins are absolutely gone. They do not exist. It said one payment for your sin dealt with all your sins once for all. They're washed. We're a different person. We're created to live different. And so he said your sins would be blotted out. You know, in the Old Testament it says that God puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. And one preacher said probably many, uh, don't go fishing for them. Now, some people do fish for their, you know, because they just, it's almost like they feel like they got to hold something on themselves. And if God put them there, don't go fishing. Some people uh, need to be better fishers of men and less fishing for sins, their own. You know, if you've ever handled fish before, some stink others worse than others. Some are slimier than others. Don't go fish for sin. You don't want that stinking slime on you. Amen? 
And then don't just go around trying to show other people your sin fish. I do this. Here, look. Hold this. No, I don't want that. You're clean. No, no, look. I'm just so bad. Here, hold it. I'll take a picture with you with it. No, get rid of that. Catch and release only. You know, don't, oh, no, I put this in my freezer. I have, it. I have one like this at home mounted. No, that is just not appropriate. And there are people who have caught these things and, you know, they're, you know, up in the north in Montana, there's a fish called a bull trout. And when you uh, get into areas where these bull trout are, they're, they're protected, federally protected. And they tell you if you don't know this fish, any of the fish, if you can't label any of your fish, throw them all back. But if you know this fish, you have to put it back. It's federally protected. You're not allowed to take it. You're not allowed to target it. It is totally against the law. And you know that's true in the Lord. You're not to target your past. You're not to fish for your past. If you're not sure, throw it back. If you can't label it, throw it back. Are you with me? But there can be temptation to hold on to it. Yeah, but you know, it's a big thing. It is a big thing. You know, big or small, let it go. I was going to start singing, but no. <laughs> let it go, no. But I'll stop right there because it'll get really bad real quick. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, when you get saved, your sins are blotted out and you are converted, you are made new. But this is the phrase I wanted to get to, so that. So this means for everybody who gives their lives to the Lord, this right here is a fact. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now here's an interesting thought. If you looked at the message last week and, and paid attention, the presence of the Lord is in a believer. So you could say it like this, the presence of the Lord is in you. And he said, you need to get saved, not just so you can make heaven, which is probably the ultimate, and be made new, but... Also, there is a lot that goes with it so that times of refreshing will come. How many people are dissatisfied in life? Salvation is just not an event that happened one time that is your ticket to miss eternal judgment, though it's included. It's, it's something called uh, times of refreshing. What does that mean? And so, if you're not sure, I looked it up for you. Just wanted to make sure. But it literally means a time of cooling, you know, or refreshing. Literally, it means recovery of breath, like when you're out of breath. How many people are living life and they're just empty and destitute? And I'm talking about the world. When a person gets the Lord, it literally means figuratively in the Greek, uh, times of revival,
revival means to revive. To go from one state to a revived state. From a dead state to a living state. From a spiritually dead to a spiritually alive. From no life of God to having the life of God. So he said that times of revival would come from the presence of the Lord that's in you. You know, if we would learn to live instead of selfish, and I'm not saying people here, but I mean in the world, the Christian world, and live more of an outward life, we would find that revival is something that probably isn't as uncommon. And people are waiting for revival. You know, revival's in you. You know how revival happened in the Bible? They, they did exactly what the Lord said. They gave their life to the Lord, but they just kept giving this life away. They reached people, they shared with people, they brought them. And you go look all the way through book of Acts, you would have to say, they lived in a revival. From Acts, the first chapter, well, technically the second chapter, because that's really where it happened, all the way through the end, whenever it's tracking different people, it seemed like revival followed them. Why? Because revival's in you. Only if I don't share and I don't do, does revival not happen. Let me say that again. Revival follows you, it's in you. Somebody might say, oh, I don't know about that. Well, you can have a, like a little hose, they call them a spigot or whatever, or a hose bib, whatever, where you put, put, connect the hose up to. There can be water in there to refresh, you know, feed your pets, water your lawn, do whatever. But if it's never turned on, you can't say it's not there. It's there. It's in you. I think about it. Reviving to the world is in you. Reviving for yourself and experiencing that is in you right now. How many of us, as we sang songs this morning, we kind of went, well, I feel a little revived right now. Or refreshed in his presence. Why? Because one facet of this new life, which we have, is there is refreshing, there is a revival. In all reality, if we wouldn't wait for a revival, we could all have our own. I'll just say that to myself, you know, we could have our own. That means, I mean, what does revival look like? It's just the spreading of divine life, the power of God, people being saved, saints being like, but we've got the, now we don't live by that. We, here's where people miss it when they, when they try to live by an experience. And then they become on a roller coaster. Well, I'm not feeling it right now. Now I'm feeling it. Woohoo! No, let feelings follow and trust that what he said is so. Put his word first because then you'll always have it following you. Because you'll go, I've got the life of God. Uh, we're going to look at some verses. I, I have something in me right now. You have something in you right now. But if I'm waiting for a feeling, you know, that's like a semi-truck driving down the road with his trailer in front. 
and him driving backwards, you can't go very fast, and it won't be long until that thing's jackknifed. It, because the trailer has to be behind. Some of you are getting this. Oh, yeah. If you go up, I think it's like, I don't know if it's Utah or, or Idaho, they allow like three trailers. You think backing one trailer up is a task? I mean, how do you back up three of them? And these are big semis. You know, you see them go down the road. How do you do that? You know, some people can barely do one. There's some that can do two. But what is three? Well, if you are so invested in your feelings and you're trying to put them out in front, it's... But if you would put your feelings behind you and just say, the Word of God says there is a revival in me. There is breath of life in me as a believer. And you would put the feelings behind you and march, the feelings will come along. Are you with me? They'll just come along. But if you put your feelings out in front, you know the term jackknife, you know, the trailer goes, uh, and, and you see that, that's a bad thing. Usually that happens from somebody turning too sharp, not because they try to drive backwards down the road. That'd be like the most talented truck driver in the world, you know, flying by you going backwards. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I'm slowing down. I'm getting off the freeway. I'm not going to drive near that person because they're going to be in a wreck. Are you with me? Because it's just not normal for cars to be going backwards. You know, there's a video on YouTube of this guy and this girl, and she's asleep in the passenger seat, and he pulls up behind a tow truck that's pulling a semi backwards. So it's the front of it, and he's going forward, and he screams, ah, and hits the brakes, and she looks up and thinks, this thing's coming at us, and freaks out, and then she starts punching him. Because <laughs> it would totally be abnormal to have a truck going the wrong way. But w when we're trying to live by our feelings, we're going to, it's not going to be good. But if you'd put your feelings second, then you'll just enjoy the experiences that come, but you'll be walking by faith and not by sight. Are you with me? What he said. And so he said, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, this is a promise for all of us until the Lord comes back. If we'd put our feelings second, the word first, start acting, there, anybody could have a revival. You could have a revival breakout right here. Not in church, but yes, in church. But affecting their whole life because they're revived. And reviving in all the life is technically in you. And if I would just not go by feelings and start testifying, sharing, praying like it, thinking like it, this life will just emanate from you and affect you. Are you with me? And not just you. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now notice this. This wasn't an experience that they had as a secret that died off with Paul, the apostle, the last one mentioned, you know, in the book of Acts. Bummer. No, this is a formula. This, 
This is something we have control over, so to speak. God gave it, we've got control. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. So basically, he said, this can happen all the way until the Lord comes back. And it should happen. I believe, you know, that the Lord is working here. I believe there are people that, that the life of God is not coming into them. I'm talking saved people. It's in you and it's just being stirred up and you're like, yeah, I do have a revival in me. But others may go, well, not me. It, then you need to get saved. Otherwise, the only reason you would say no is not because of his word, but because of experience or feelings. But like I said, if you switch them around, all of them will begin to follow you. And you won't be bothered if one day you sense God stronger or not as strong or whatever. But you'll just know, I walk by faith. This stuff happens. Are you with me? And so he said, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. So the Bible's clear. This can happen all the way till and should happen and will happen till the Lord comes back. Times of refreshing, times of fresh life, times of revival, because you're alive, should happen until the Lord comes back. Are you with me? Let's read another verse real quick. John, the fourth chapter. So we don't want to be on an emotional roller coaster, but if I accept the word of God because it says these things are true and that there is life in me, and, and uh, not only did uh, they preach about it, they got their message from the Lord. And so here in John 14, uh, Jesus was sharing the good news with somebody who was destitute, who was empty, who was living all over the place, so to speak, in her life. You know, she was having sex outside of marriage. And uh, she has an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord, of course, beat her up. No, he didn't. But he, he knew there was another way. Are you with me? It, it's so important uh, in the society we live in to, to really renew our minds because otherwise you'll get mad at the people who don't live like you and those crazy politicians. They might be crazy, but they need the Lord. And movie stars or whoever, we need to think compassionately. Don't feed on what they feed you. You know, don't drink the Kool-Aid. But realize the world needs what we've got. And we've got the goods. I mean, in us. You don't have to go get the goods before you go witness. Or share. Hallelujah, if you're saved. Notice, so Jesus said, But whoever drinks of this water, and he's talking to this lady, that I will give him, and it wasn't natural water. 
It was that repent and be converted so that times of refreshing and revival will come out of you because of the presence of the Lord will be in you. Notice John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give, which is this eternal life, this conversion, I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into or unto everlasting life. Isn't it interesting, similar wording, that there is something in you once you've been converted. Once you've been saved, He doesn't leak out. God lives in you always. So the fact of the matter is, we probably just need to be more conscious of the fact that there's something already in me. And if I would give my thoughts to that, and I would acknowledge that, we would see things come out. If I would be strong in my testimony, we would see things come out. And I don't mean that means you have to preach to everybody, but even talk to yourself and talk to others. Let's close right here. Romans, the 10th chapter, familiar verse. I even quoted it a little bit ago or part of it. <clears throat> but if you have eternal life in you, and if you are saved, then you have a revival in you, so to speak. This is not religion. This is knowing the Lord. If people would just open up the spigot, open up the hose thing, the water would flow. That means you have to believe at first and say, man, I've got a revival in me. How many of you think that sounds good? then you know what we ought to do? Is say, I've got a revival in me. Amen? I have a revival in me. Right? You're not spiritually dead. You've been revived. You've been made alive. You have one in you. Oh, I'm waiting for a big preacher to come. You're it. Tap, tap, you're it. No tag backs or whatever. You know, because you ever seen people, they get tagged, and they're, no, no, I'm getting you back. Nope. No tag backs. You're it. We're it. Somebody's like, God's in trouble if we're it. No. <laughs> You're just living too much by what you feel. You have it in you. Amen? So you don't have to pump yourself up. Eternal life is really God's life in you. That's powerful. Romans 10.10. 10. For with the heart one believes. How many of you believe what I'm saying is true? Amen. But notice he said, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. In other words, it's not by works you become right with God. It's by believing you become right with God. And then it says, and with the mouth, confession or pronouncing and declaring is made unto the experience of salvation. So everybody here who's a Christian who believes this is true could readily say, I have a revival 
in me. But notice what it said. Confession is made unto. Unto the experience. Before you experience, you have to act. I mean, even Peter, when he went to walk on the water, didn't he have to act before he experienced the water walking? Because he did it for a little bit. He couldn't sit on the side of the boat and go, yeah, I'm a water walker. How about you? Yeah, I'm a water walker. He had to step out. And if you don't step out, you can't walk on water. That's why it says believing, then declaring, then you experience. So how many of you believe, if you're saved, that you have a revival in you? Not according to what he said. Then what you need to do is say this, and you could say it with me. I have a revival, God's life, breath in me now. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. And if you do that, it'll start turning loose. You say, oh yeah, now I got it. No, you had it before. You said it, and it starts experiencing it. You know, people can get fired up this way. I have have eternal life. life. I have have a revival revival in me. me. Going somewhere somewhere to happen. happen. Amen? Well, whatever you do, just don't celebrate and get excited. I mean, how are you going to be when you get to heaven? You know, people are going to be like, woo, angels falling down, everybody falling down the ground. You're like, praise the Lord. I just praise the Lord right now. I mean, I know it's hard to stand right now in His presence. Wham, I'm on the ground. Don't want to get too excited. Praise the Lord. I'm here. Don't want to put on. No, if it's there, we can do it. Amen. Amen. And we have a revival. Amen? You do. How many of you notice the more we talk about it, the more you're like, well, I got to revise. Well, I had a little bit. I got a little bit more. No, you, it's just, it's being released. Amen? But it's in us. We're not waiting for one. We're turning one loose. 